Hello, Helen, and welcome to Skills for Mars. I'm very happy to be hosting you. Hello, Julia. Thank you so much for inviting me. Could you present yourself and what you did, uh, maybe even get a bit into monumental assistance? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, my name is Helen Monument. Uh, I have been um, a, an assistant, let's just call it an assistant, probably the best thing to, to call me, for more than 30 years. I never intended to go into this business. I started off in the hotel, in the hotel business. Um, so I became a secretary by accident and I just fell straight into it and I loved it. And I think having a background in the hotel industry helped me a lot because you're serving people, you're giving them what they want. And basically, if you're an assistant, then you are, you are working alongside a manager or an executive and your job is to make them be the best they can be. So they have to be, make, you have to make sure that they're in the right place at the right time with the right information. That's kind of summing it up. So I loved, I loved doing that. Uh, I moved um, from uh, different companies. I've worked in smaller companies, family owned, and I've worked in big multi multinational companies uh, the last, uh, up to last week, which was my, my final job as I went into my transition to take early retirement and that was at Shell here in, in the Netherlands. So I have um, I've had an amazing career. I've had some amazing opportunities. I've been in lots of transitions, um, redundancies, uh, companies closing, companies being taken over um, and even one job that I left because I didn't like it. Um, so uh, I've been through lots of change and they say that uh, change is, is the only constant in life. For me, that's definitely so. And I think that, um, you know, people say we're not afraid of change, we're afraid of transition. So it's going from the one safe uh, area, the, the, the comfort zone that you know, into something that's completely unknown or the, um, the, the, the black hole that you have no idea what you're falling into. So, um, yes, I've had, uh, I've had a lot of experience and um, I started thinking about what am I going to do with the rest of my life? And, and at my age, you might, <laughs> you might think, well, okay, what are we looking at? Another 20 years, maybe, which is quite a scary thought. Um, my career is behind me. But what do, I, what do I do when I stop being an employee? I wanted to... Um, to have some meaning in my life and do something fulfilling. I'm not the kind that will just sit behind the uh, behind the geraniums, as they say in Dutch, and uh, learn knitting or, or or perhaps do an art course. Or something. I wanted to do something worthwhile, something that would stimulate me intellectually. And um, so I really didn't know uh, what to do. And um, what I started with was um, a plan. I'm a bit of a planner, a bit of a planning nerd. So um, I brainstormed, first of all, and thought, okay, what, uh, what do I want? Basically, that was the first question. And from that big brainstorming list, I got this huge piece of uh, A1 paper stuck up on the wall, and I did a mind map. And the mind map um, really um, covered everything from um, work, home life, social life, 
uh, hobbies, um, physical and mental well-being, finances, um, education, skills, strengths, weaknesses. What do I want to do? What do I don't? What do I absolutely don't want to do? Uh, passions and, and fears, and this grew into this enormous picture of uh, of words and, and uh, with coloured pens and, and everything. It was a it was a work of art. <laughs> <laughs> do you still and, have a picture of it? Um, I do actually have it somewhere. Um, <laughs> I'm not quite sure where it is because I just kept kept adding to it. So I hung it up and thought about it. Went away, came back, did a little bit more, and talk. Then I I talked to people who knew me. And I said, look, you know, I'm, I don't want to be working until the end of my life. Um, I want to be doing something while I'm still physically and mentally capable of, of doing something enjoyable. This is me, basically, in this, um, in this, uh, on this sheet of paper. Um, what do you think I should be doing? And it all came back to the same thing, is that people were saying, you're not just going to let that 30 years of experience disappear. You have to do something with that. And this is what, what my, my, my friends and my peers all said to me. You have so much experience. There is a huge need out there, especially amongst millennials and, and, and younger people coming in now, um, for guidance and leadership within the admin sphere. So I thought that was a great place to start. And it turns out that, you know, uh, I just love what I do. And even though I didn't want to do it as a job, a paid job anymore, I could still do it for myself. So that's where Monumental Assistance was born. Um, didn't take me very long to think of the name. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I started very quietly, actually, before I'd, I'd finished uh, working. And um, I was invited to speak at a couple of conferences for assistance. And I was absolutely terrified the first time. Uh, but I loved it and I did more. And then um, I was asked to do training, uh, workshops, and that, that sort of grew very quietly in the background for me. And I really got to enjoy it. <clears throat> You're a coach and a mentor as well, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And that was something that was on my mind map too, because as a, uh, <clears throat> as a team leader, you're also a coach. Uh, but coaching a team uh, in within an office situation um, is is fine. Uh, but as as it, it's within a company, you are as a manager, you're ultimately responsible for the results of the team. So it's different from if you go into life coaching or or or, or personal coaching. So and this I learned when I when I, I decided to 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 get the coaching diploma, which I did um, after a. A year of study, and um, the the course used the person-centered approach, which means that as a coach, I am not obviously not telling you what to do. Um, I'm helping you. I'm sitting in the passenger seat with the roadmap on my on my lap, and I'm saying you could go this way because there's a nice there's a nice uh, woods and there's a lovely view. You could go this way along the river. <clears throat> um, if you go straight ahead. There's a really, really steep bend, which you have to be careful of, but it's up to you if you go that way. So you're, you're not in the driving seat. That's the, the coachee is in the driving seat making the decisions. You're just guiding them on their way. And that really appealed to me, that, that method of coaching. Yeah, it's incredible to how many people it actually appeals and how much it has helped people change careers. 
Oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, most of the people I speak with have have uh, used a coach uh, to guide them through through the change. Moving from being an employee to having your own business, monumental assistance, is this the biggest transition you had, or did you have anyone other that was bigger or more scary? Um, well, I think probably um, getting divorced was a bigger transition. <laughs> this was many many years ago. And um, I, I married very young. I had two children very early and moved from uh, the UK to the Netherlands, which was a huge transition. But at the time, I think you're kind of young and stupid and you think, yeah, well, why not? Let's do it. So we did, chucked everything in the back of a, a van and, and we moved over here and made the decision very quickly, not giving it much long-term thought. It, you know, we said, oh, we'll try it for a couple of years and see how it goes. And and 40 years later, I'm still here in the Netherlands. But I, I was a, a stranger in a strange land. So I came to this country not speaking the language, not knowing anybody except my, my, uh, my in-laws um, and uh, with two small children. And the first thing that, that really surprised me, uh, you can tell how unprepared I was, was the fact that I couldn't get a job not because of just because of the language, but because of the the childcare uh, was non-existent in those days. So I had to take uh, the kids to school in the morning, go back and pick them up at lunchtime, bring them home, give them a sandwich, take them back, come back home. Go. So I was I was just uh, it was impossible to find to find any kind of work. Although I did I did actually work in the evenings in a restaurant, which helped me with my Dutch, obviously. So after about, um, sadly, after 10 years, um, it didn't work out and, and we got divorced. And that was a huge transition because at that moment, you really feel um, on your own. I did have a lot of friends and I was happily in, in a full-time job as a secretary by that time. So it was, um, it was a huge uh, learning experience for me. I learned a lot about myself and... Um, looking back at some of the decisions that you make in the time leading up to a divorce, you know, it's very, very tough, very difficult. And anybody who's in that situation will, will, will know what I mean. Uh, you're on your own suddenly uh, with two kids and they don't understand what's going on and um, you have to make the best of it. So I went into survival mode, I suppose you could say, because it was the most important thing was keeping my kids safe and um, trying to make sure that I hang, up, I hang on to my job so that I could have a roof over their head. So that was a huge transition. And, and in that period, I learned, um, I didn't really learn what I wanted, but I, did, I had learned what I didn't want for the future. Mm. And um, that, that really helped me to get to know myself a lot better. And um, I moved on then, um, yeah, from that do other jobs and um, they were takeovers. So, you know, I got made redundant because of takeover or a merger. And um, the thing about that kind of situation, if you're made redundant, is not to take it personally, which is very difficult because it's if you've been in a company for, for about 10 years, you think, oh my God, they're getting rid of me. Uh, what did I ever do wrong? And uh, I've given them 10 years of my life and how can they do this to me? And you get all very, very emotional about it. Um, and I say to my, to my coaching clients, I say, that's fine. Go, you know, dive under the duvet for, for two days and eat chocolate 
Um, but after that, come out and and make think of the future. Yeah, makes it's it it passes. And the 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 great thing about the transit that kind of transition is that you then can decide what you want to do yourself. And that the awful thing about redundancy is that it's out of your control. You can't do anything about it. It's something that happens to you. So looking for your own way out is 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 the solution and making your plan to do what you want to do. Helen, is there a common thread uh, through all the changes that you've been through and what maybe the skills that have made you resilient? Uh, Just uh, stand up. And I think you said it, resilience. Uh, resilience is, is probably the key. Okay. Uh, I have had a, um, uh, you know, lots of, um, lots of different jobs and I've had to uh, adapt and adjust and be flexible. And um, I think I, I, got, I got my resilience from my dad. Um, he, in, in the Second World War, he was a prisoner in a, in a Japanese camp, a prisoner of war camp. And uh, he wrote a book, he survived, fortunately, and it was a terrible, terrible experience. And he wrote uh, a book. But years and years later, I mean, he was in his 60s when he wrote this book. And I was absolutely amazed when I read this book because I, I just felt I didn't, I had no idea about all of this because he, they, they kept it to themselves, these uh, survivors. They didn't talk about it. But in that, in that book, in those pages, it was an extraordinary story of men living in the most awful, extraordinary circumstances, but a remarkable um, stories about the power of the human spirit. And everything they did was to survive. So how they survived, the ingenuity, the creativity, the, the resilience, the, the flexibility, and the humor that they needed to get through those days was remarkable. And I think that's what my dad taught me is to keep smiling, to always look for, for the best, the brightest side of things. And um, that's really helped me um, in, my, in my career when I've been going through a forced transition like that. And of course, as an assistant, you're learning skills all the time. My first job um, was on a typewriter. And <laughs> that's, uh, there were no computers. Oh God, I really sound ancient now, don't I? There were no computers. There were no mobile phones. There was no internet. <laughs> and over the years, all these changes happened in the space of, of, of the first, uh, I don't know, 15, year, 20 years of my career. All these new te- this new technology came in and you had to learn it. And there were people who couldn't learn it, but people of a certain age who, who could not adjust and didn't understand how things worked. And that was something that I saw coming in and I thought, okay, there's a, we had one computer for the whole department. And I thought, I'm going to learn how to use that because say knowledge is power. Not that I wanted the power, but when you have the knowledge, um, it gives you the edge and you can also help other people, but it's good for your, obviously good for your development to learn new skills and then you can teach others. And you, so I had to become a, subject matter expert in all kinds of things. And um, whenever there was anything new coming out, I was usually the first one on top of it to say, oh, I'll do that. Let me find out how that works. And that's really, really helped me. Did you have any moment of uh, fear when you started the monumental assistance? Any moment when you said, maybe this is not for me, maybe I should just give it all up and I don't know, tend to the garden? Well, I suppose that's natural that there is some kind of fear because I think, you know, who is waiting for me out there? 
you know, I, I can have, have this wonderful idea that I want to spread my passion and share my experiences, but, but who is going to be waiting out there? You know, it's, am I just being uh, just arrogant and, 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 and think, in thinking that I have something of value to give? Um, that's always that part of self-doubt that every, everybody has, I think. But um, if you have a good, solid circle of, of people around you who, who you can reflect on, with and, and they can mirror for you and give you the uh, constructive feedback and the sensible, um, the, the, the sort of sensible guide, like guidance that you need to, to shore up your self-confidence and to say, look, this is something you're really good at. You should be doing more of this. Uh, perhaps you should be doing less of that, but but this is where your strengths are. Go for this, um, and, and that really helps to have people around you who believe in you and who've got your back. And uh, did you need any kind of special finances to start this, or how did you start it? What were the resources that you needed to start the business and to keep uh, it running? Well, fortunately, of course, I'm I'm retired now, so I do have my pension, uh, which means I'm not financially dependent on the business I mean, um, not not to the same extent that somebody would be if they were a breadwinner and you know had to have to start up doing a professional um a company starting from scratch um so there's no financial pressure for me which is which is good because that takes away uh, a lot of the worry um so think that's helped me because that means I can do things at my own pace and and in my own way of course now COVID-19 has has completely changed everything for everybody this year including the plans that I had um, to get things really moving and, and get things off the ground um, so I've had to rethink um, my strategy about what I'm going to do and how I'm going to move it forward. So finance wasn't so much of a, of a big thing. Um, it, I, I had to, to pay for my website domain, but that, um, you know, that, that's, that there are all kinds of things out there on offer and they're really, really inexpensive to, to start your own, uh, to, to register a domain and have your own uh, website. I did actually, I used WordPress. Mm -hmm. Did you build it yourself? Yes. Okay. Yes, I did, um, and they were—they are—they're uh, very helpful. They've got—they've got a good um, a good uh, help desk if you get stuck. And um, I'm actually—that's one of my one of my tasks now for for this year is to is to restyle the website a little bit more, make it a little bit more dynamic. How hard was it to not only start the business, right? Because you know what you're doing so that you have the experience there, but you have to sell yourself, build a personal brand, build a website, do some marketing, uh, build communities and be present. How hard was that transition? Actually, not, not, that, not too hard for me. And I think that's because I have been involved in the, in the profession for such a long time. I'm a, um, I'm a lifelong member of IMA, International Management Assistance, which is a professional uh, organization. It's a network of, um, I think we are, I think almost 2,000 members now, I'm not quite mm -hmm. sure. Um, but I started just as an ordinary member because I could see 
uh, all those years ago that it was really a, a good thing to have a network of your peers, somewhere where you could go and talk about your work. You don't always want to do that at home, yeah. but where you can learn from each other. And they had, they had some really, uh, they have some really good conferences and seminars and workshops and things like that. But it was the network. It was talking to like-minded people, which really helped me. So I was just a member to start with. And then later on, um, I wanted to get involved. So I became the association uh, secretary, which was a, a, a European um, European function, if you like. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, um, at that time, it was it, it had a different name, but it was it was a European organisation in that in those days. And after doing that for two years, there came a vacancy as executive chairman. And I was quite happy being the association secretary. And um, it wasn't until somebody suggested, well, isn't that something for you? That I, I, my first reaction was, no, I can't do that. I can't step into the shoes of my predecessor because she was just so brilliant. And I think I'm never going to be able to do that. But like many things, you know, you have to put on your own shoes. Um, and, and finally, they, again, by having this circle of, of really positive people around me, they persuaded me that, that, that I was right for the job and that the job was right for me. So I took that on and did that for two years. So I had this huge network already out there so as, uh, because of that experience. And um, I've been involved um, after my two years of, as, as chairman were, were finished. I was involved in all kinds of international conferences that were organized and trainings really um, staying in touch with the network and and helping out where I could. So from there, the network just grew and grew. So I I do have a a big network all over the world now of uh, of people in the profession, not just assistants, but other trainers and um, um, publications. You have a wonderful publication called Executive Secretary Magazine. So I write for the magazine and um, that gives you also enormous coverage. So uh, I have very, very slowly, um, not consciously building a brand, but it's just sort of happened by osmosis, I suppose. <laughs> so I haven't had to do a lot of marketing. A natural talent, talent in building personal brand and communities, which well, is a good right. skill to have. Yes. <laughs> Especially nowadays. Um, Helen, what's, first, let me ask you this, and it might be a personal question, but I still have to ask you for those that maybe are afraid to make uh, changes late in the career. Mm-hmm. When did you start building? At what age did you start building monumental assistance? Um, I started um, three years ago. Okay. So how old were you three years ago? Oh, I was 64. So I'm 67 now. And when I, at, at that time, um, I started to think, you know, all right, when when uh, when the retirement age comes around, what do I want to do? So this was why I, I really started it so early, um, so that I could just gradually build it up, so that when I did actually stop working and retire, I would hit the ground running. Because it, I think if, especially at my age, if I would have retired and then had to start everything from scratch, it would have taken me another year to... To, to, to get everything off the ground and start running. So I, I, I started my planning about three years ago and I did actually tell my boss um, 
I think two years before retirement that I wanted to retire. And he said, oh, well, that's so far in the future. We'll, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> but two years passed by very quickly, actually. <laughs> passed by very quickly, yes. <laughs> so I went to the Chamber of Commerce. And after I'd finished my coaching course, I, I wanted to get the coaching course uh, done first. So once I finished my coaching course, the first thing I did was design my logo, get my uh, business cards printed, and go to the Chamber of Commerce and register myself. Um, usually it's thought that around that age, people don't learn as quickly. They don't have as much energy. How do you feel about it? Well, I think, um, I, I love the, this, this hashtag that I use all the time, never stop learning. I think, um, you know, you, you should, you should always be learning something. If, if you have asked yourself at the end of each day, what did I learn today? And it could have been, you know, how to bake a banana cake, or it could have been, you know, how to, how to work with Zoom or, or how, how to figure out Microsoft Teams, but, but trying to learn something new every day. And I think it's curiosity. You have to have an innate curiosity to uh, want to know how things work and why is that like that. And if you have that curiosity and you're always asking why, then you will learn. And um, I am not um, not someone who who has never been. Um, yeah, I've always I've always wanted to know about things and ask questions about things. So why why are we doing it that way? And can you show me how to do that? Or if I see something uh, that somebody else has done, then I will ask them. I said, "Wow, that, that that's fantastic! How did you do that?" Because I'd really like to learn to do that. So learning is is something that I hated learning when I was at school. I was a terrible scholar. I really could not wait to leave school. The only thing I loved was was reading and writing English. Um, but you know, the, the the moment you stop learning, you you know, your brain fizzles up, and 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 it, you're old before your time. I think. I think so as well, but there is this common uh, common misperception, and uh, uh, people at a, at a certain age are even discriminated to get jobs. So there is this common misperception, which hopefully I will debunk, uh, and I have debunked with uh, with you. So uh, that's perfect, Helen. I also think you are the right person to ask a bit about the future of administrative jobs and the future of office assistants. Right. Where is this going with all the AI, <laughs> right? The, the series out there and the, all the virtual yeah. algorithm-driven assistants that are out there. It's a very good question. And one we, we get asked a lot from people outside of the profession. People inside the profession don't see it that way, obviously. Um, and I know that um, if, you, if you look back to the, to, the, uh, to the last huge economic crisis after all the banking, uh, the banking scandals, uh, a lot of managers, middle managers, kicked out. You know, the, all this reduction went on, organizations were becoming flatter. So all these middle managers were, were, were tossed out. And who took up that work? It was the assistants. They were doing uh, HR, they were doing recruiting, they were doing a bit of finance, they were doing a bit of marketing, a bit of sales, uh, customer relations. All those other jobs were picked up by assistants. And um, there is a lot of talk about uh, now, there's, there's a book uh, that just come out and I'm really 
embarrassed that I can't remember the name of the, of the <laughs> author. And I don't want to say the wrong name, but the book is called Alexa Wants Your Job. Yeah. And um, with these algorithms, they're very smart and they're very good uh, at programming them to do repetitive tasks. Now, if you as an assistant are being um, reactive, you're just waiting for your boss to give you work. Oh, please book this for me. Please do that for me. Please produce this report. Please go and, 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 and organize that conference. If, if you are like that and you're just waiting for the work to land on your desk, then yes, Alexa will steal your job. But the, the modern day assistant is a strategic business partner. So you're working with your executive, with your manager to um, look at what the business is doing, what are their responsibilities and how can you help them to do that better. And um, proactivity is the key here because there isn't an algorithm yet who, that can uh, uh, think, think strategically. You have to, um, you have to, to, to be able to support your executive by working together and not just waiting for them to dump stuff on your desk for you to do. So, um, yeah, I think there is a place for, for AI. Absolutely. And, and, and it's unstoppable. It will happen. But um, as long as you assistants and admins are being proactive, then um, it's, it's an amazing future. So are you using right now any kind of algorithms and tools to make your life easier? Or are there assistants globally who use any type of tools that make their oh, life yes, easier? There are, there are okay. hundreds. I mean, there, there, are, there are many people who are using all kinds of, of, uh, of apps, mm -hmm. um, uh, just, even just simple things like travel booking apps, planning apps. Um, there are so many uh, available at the moment. Um, um, things that, that help you prioritize, prioritize things mm -hmm. that help you to plan. Uh, um, uh, those kind of things are great tools to have. So there is a lot that uh, more and more coming in all the time. So many, many ones are being used. Yes. So you think that at that point, at some point, uh, the administrative job, the assistance job will be a mix between human and, uh, machine or. Yes. Yes. I think so. Um, you have, um, um, if again, it's, it's depends on the assistant mm -hmm. because there are people who, who, who love to have a diary uh, on the desk, just to, uh, write everything down. And there are others who, who use all kinds of planning tools, um, to make, to do their scheduling. It, that's a preference. But I think once you decide to look into the possibilities of, 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 of what technology can offer you, it has so much more than than you can write down on a, on in, in one little book. I I, I found um, uh, OneNote, for example. I, I'm a writer. I like to write stuff down. So I have in my cupboard when I left the office. I had a stack of notebooks going back through the years that I would use every day to write everything down. And um, about a year ago, somebody introduced me to OneNote. And, you know, the, the, it was like somebody opening a window. It was absolutely amazing. I thought, well, this is OneNote is doing everything that I need. And it's, it's keeping a record for me. So I don't have to go back to the cupboard and look, look in that book. 
or what did I do on the on the 27th of September last year or how was that project? Because you can only have one page at a time and OneNote will let you divide everything up into different tabs for different projects, even different tabs for different meetings. And it's it's really, really effective. And it's made, it made me more productive as well to use OneNote. And you can do it across all your devices. So I have it on my phone, I have it on my laptop, I have it on my desktop. And uh, of course, it's all stored in the cloud. So you have everything at your fingertips all the time, which is brilliant. I, you, you know, I told you right before we started that I looked a bit at the World Administrator Summit and um, what sparked my interest were a few uh, subjects to, to, to be discussed and speakers that were talking about leading your leader, managing your future manager. Any, I think this is key for everyone that has a boss, not only assistants that are supposed to help and, and, and um, uh, support their, their uh, yeah, leader. Any tips and tricks for anyone who wants to lead their leader or manage their, manage their manager? Well, that's that's a good one because this is um, something that, uh, that that a lot of a lot of executives struggle with with not knowing how to use an assistant properly. Exactly, and and not knowing how to use their boss properly. <laughs> oh, exactly, exactly. Um, uh, there's a lady called Melba Duncan. Mm-hmm. And she has, uh, she's a, a very, very well known within our profession. And she wrote an article in the Harvard Business Review, um, I think a couple of years ago now, really uh, uh, e- expressing the case for an executive assistant. And um, it's really, really solid. What it, it's really recommended reading. Um, another, another good um, article that, that came out recently. Um, as a result of an article in the Wall Street Journal saying, you know, the assistant is basically dead. Um, and Executive Secretary Magazine, uh, the, the, the um, publisher Lucy Grazier, who is a huge advocate of, of our profession, wrote a, an absolutely spot on reply to them, um, just debunking their whole article, saying about the value of assistance to executives. And there are there are sort of two camps as far as executives are concerned, and you have you are very lucky if you can find work if you work for somebody who sees you as a business partner and not just a, a you know a dog's body to, to fetch the coffee and 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 plan plan a flight to uh, to uh, New York. Uh, it's it's um, you are there as as an assistant to add value to what they do, uh, so that they can focus on their responsibilities and their goals and their targets. And you can, uh, as, a, as a good assistant, you know what keeps them awake at night and you can help them. Um, you can be a, a sounding board and, and because of the very nature of the, of the relationship that you have one-on-one with an executive like that, you have to, you have to grow the trust so that they know that they can trust you um, absolutely. And, and, completely and that's so important for a successful relationship because if your executive doesn't trust you then they, you're never going to get um the the, the 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 extra jobs the nice work the stuff that you can get your teeth into that's, that's out of the routine kind of admin stuff and um there are there's uh there's some great articles in executive secretary magazine about uh, about how as an executive how to use your assistant 
Okay. If you send me the link, maybe the links, and if you have them, maybe I can I can post them for everyone who wants to uh, to read. I will. I will. I, yeah. I do think I've I've been a recruiter for the past eighteen years, and I think one of the most difficult jobs to hire for is an executive assistant because of the complexity of the job. Yeah. And the complexity and the breadth of the uh, the actions that they need to take and the tasks they need to solve. Yes. And the interactions that they have, right, at, at different levels in the in the organizations. And yeah. I think that's that's one of the most difficult jobs to hire for, honestly. <laughs> Ellen, what's yeah. next? And for, of course, yeah. Go ahead. No, no, I'm just going, just going to say one of the um um because the the um the World Administrator Summit is is um really it, it's a it's a it's a, a voluntary organization. So um, being, you know, being the chairman uh, of that soon will, will, will be um, a great um, addition to, to, to my life, I think. Um, it's very close to my heart. Um, but it joins together administrative associations and individuals from all over the world and the aim is to guide and positively influence the profession. So we have a lot. We've done a lot of surveys about how the profession is perceived. And if you've looked on the website, then you'll see that some of the results of those things: workplace bullying, um, and um, the things that you you mentioned earlier, um, job titles, credentialing, and and we we are advocates of the profession. And and hoped to, to use the uh, the summit and the new organisation that we've just set up, the World Administrators Alliance, to further the the um, perception of the profession, so that we are not just seen as not just you're not just an admin, that you actually uh, should be a, a member of the leadership team and being a strategic business partner. Helen, it looks like you have a lot of work ahead of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, they should say you know, it feels, you like, it feels on, like it. <laughs> give it to a busy woman. Yes. So. <laughs> uh, would you be okay to share maybe top three, four lessons that you've learned throughout your career about change, about transitioning that you would like to share with others? And you'd say, okay, if I have to sum it up, this is it. Um, I would say. Um, Flexibility is 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 the key. Um, resilience, build your resilience. The the ability to bounce back after after um, after a bad experience. Uh, that's that's so important because if whatever happens in life, um, whether it's it's it, it usually out of your control. So there's nothing you can do about the event. It's how you react to the event and. Um, not taking it personally is, is really a good place to start. Um, make a plan. Even though you're in a great job and you're having a wonderful time at this moment, you never know what's around the corner, right? Life happens while you're making other plans, such as so John Lennon said. So make your plan. Just sit down and, and, and sketch out what, if the sky should fall, what would you do? What could you do? What do you want to do? What you don't want to do? I think you should be prepared for um, 
for a change, even though it's not on the horizon at the moment, it could be just around the corner. Um, learn, yes, never stop learning. That's definitely uh, ad advice that I have uh, for everybody. Um, you can um, add so much to your own professional development. It doesn't stop. I don't think professional development stops. You are always learning something. Um, whether, whether you're a doctor or a brain surgeon or a, or a, um, a recruiter like me, a recruiter or anybody, you know, or a teacher, exactly. There's yeah. always something to learn. Always something to learn. Always a different way to do something and, um, help others, help others to learn as well, because by teaching you learn and, um, you may not realize that you are perhaps a role model for somebody else. So mentoring somebody is, is a very, uh, it's very satisfying, but it's a way of helping others. You know, if you've already walked that path and you know what it's like, be a mentor to somebody else. Because um, something I, I see as well, particularly in, in um, an office environment with women, is that they very often like to keep the knowledge to themselves because they think if I know this, then I am, you know, I, they need I, me. I, I'm the queen bee. Yeah. Um, but that will, that's not sustainable. That will get you in the end. The only way to succeed, particularly um, in a team like that is to make sure that everybody is helped. And if you can help others to achieve what they as their goals then that will help you as well and it's very fulfilling but uh, you know we are all in this together there's a there's a great uh, hashtag that's you started up by by diana brandel who's a who's a great uh, trainer and uh, blogger in, in in germany and um we are all in in this together particularly now with covid but uh, assistants and admins are all in the same boat so that the rising tide will lift all of those boats so that's what we want to aim for. Thank you very much, Helen. Fantastic advice and fantastic journey. Thank you. Is there something that I maybe didn't ask you? Um, is there something you didn't ask? Um, no, I don't think so. No. Um, I think the positive attitude is is something that's helped me is to, to, to look, on the, look on the bright side and look on the positive side of things. And um, it, no matter what transition you're in, uh, they say there's light at the end of the tunnel, but I like the saying that, that you are the light at the end of the tunnel and the tunnel is temporary. So it's up to you to get yourself through that tunnel to, to, to get to, to the light at the end. And... Um, Take into control that which you can control and look after yourself physically and mentally. That's, that's extremely, extremely important. It helps very much. True. Can't do all the other stuff if you're not feeling good about yourself inside or, you know, between your ears. Um, you only get one chance at this, so make the most of it. Helen, where could people find you if they want any advice, if they want to maybe attend the World Administrators Forum or be part of any of the groups that you are part of? Where could people find you? 
Uh, well, the best place to start is is my website, monumentalassistance.com. And there are, uh, uh, you can contact me through the site and there's also links to the World Administrators Summit uh, from there. And then you, and you can also look at and see all the, um, the services, the training services and the coaching services that I offer as well. Are you also active on LinkedIn? Yes, I am. Yes. Perfect. So if I, if I, if I also copy the link to your LinkedIn page, that would help as well. People Absolutely. can get in touch. Yes. Perfect. Absolutely. Thank you so much for today and thank you for your time, Helen. Thank you, Julia. Lovely to talk to you. Thank you. Always lovely to talk with you. (laughs)